0: Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. This past week, we had a lot of family in our house. My mother-in-law and father-in-law, a sister-in-law, another sister-in-law, and her husband and their three kids. All packed into our house, but that's kind of the way we like it. And it was great. Well, for the most part. No, I'm kidding. It was all good. Everything was great. When you think about all of those people crammed together and now they're actually driving back home to Wisconsin right now as we speak, all of a sudden you start to think about, oh man, they got to get ready and then there's a whole lot of things that they need to do. And I was actually talking with one of my sisters-in-law who teaches and we were both commenting on how Thanksgiving is a little late this year. Sometimes Thanksgiving is a little bit earlier and then you have another Sunday, typically the last Sunday in the church year, and then it's not for another Sunday, not for another seven days, another Sunday after that until there's the first Sunday in Advent. And we were saying, we kind of like it that way. And there's really one reason, chief among all the other reasons. It's because there's so many things to do. I mean, you have Thanksgiving and then all of a sudden a whopping three days later, poof, there's the Advent wreath and here we are in Advent and all of a sudden what are you thinking? Ooh, there's a lot to do. I don't know if you feel that way. I'm I'm guessing, but I certainly feel that way. I could probably even just say one word just to get you to think that way. Christmas. Now all of a sudden you start thinking about the to-dos and the tasks and I can just ask you one question that causes your blood pressure to rise just a little bit, unless you got everything covered, which might put you in the minority. Are you ready? Or are you not? Among preachers, there's this common phrase, when, especially when it gets towards Thursday, Friday, Saturday. If we're talking to one another about how our sermon's coming along or Bible class, there's this phrase that we share with one another. Vicar's learning it well. It goes like this, Sunday's coming, ready or not. There's no waiting. There's always a lot more preparation you want to put into the sermon, the Bible study, worship, music, whatever it is, but Sunday doesn't wait. We wish you could just hit the eternal pause for Friday afternoon or maybe even Sunday, early hours of the morning. But Sunday's coming, ready or not. Christmas is coming, ready or not. And particularly today, with one eye focused on the manger and Jesus' first coming, you at least have to have one other eye focused on the skies because Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? Or are you not? It seems like every year, and it is that way every year, where at least one of the Sundays in Advent, we ask that question. Talking about preparation, you're ready. We bring up things like the Christmas list and the to-dos and the decorations and the cookies and the shopping and all those things just to kind of get you into the mindset of, I have all of these things that are on my list that I need to do to get ready for Christmas because it's coming ready or not. And the reason why the church has done that for a long time Is because all of those things that fill our to-do lists as we get ready for one day, an observance of Jesus' first coming, can kind of easily cloud out the fact that he's coming again. Something that deserves just as much attention and focus as the first time he came that very first Christmas. That's exactly what God spoke through his prophet Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. To get people ready, not even just for the first coming of Jesus, but already then, uh, roughly 450 years before Jesus ever came, he's already preparing people for the last day. So I would invite you, not just today, but throughout this entire season, even even throughout your entire life, to ask yourself, am I ready? Is what I'm doing right now, the way I'm shaping my entire life, is it getting me ready for eternity or not? Because that last day's coming. So Malachi, 440-450 B.C., he is given this message to prepare God's people because what do they see in the world around them? See if you can identify. They're looking around and they're seeing a lot of evil in the world, even their own countrymen stealing, leveraging their angle of the economy to get a leg up at the expense of their neighbors. Sound familiar? They're looking around and they're seeing evil constantly winning. Pagan rulers who have no time for God don't really seem to have a moral compass either. Sound familiar? They're looking around and they're seeing a whole host of people who don't really seem to care about morality and serving the God who is kept his covenant with his people all of these years and to be watchful of the fact that this life is not the end-all be-all, that there is a time when we will face our maker forever. People pay no mind to that. Does that sound familiar? So maybe Malachi, although 2,400 some years ago, that's a long time, might seem like that doesn't really relate, has everything to say for our day and our time, does he not? And of all the ways that God would work through Malachi to get people ready, not only for the first Christmas, but for when Jesus would come again, notice what he says. That God would work through messengers. This special gift that God would work through his word, through the mouthpieces of his people, special messengers, and the rest of his people who are called to share God's word with one another, to get his people ready. And so what do you see as a fulfillment of that? Look no farther than God keeping that promise in the wilderness. Scraggly hair, camel skin, tunic, a leather belt, a weird diet, locusts and wild honey. And yet people are traveling out to the wilderness to listen to this man, John the baptizer, proclaim this message. And what is the heart of his message? a message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You know what repentance is? In the New Testament, the picture is that you would look at, both in the Old and New Testament, there are these pictures, you'd, you'd look at this thing that God is telling you and you would compare it with where you're headed and you would change your mind or you would turn around and follow the pathway that God has given you. Kind of fitting then that he says, prepare the way for the Lord, this highway for our God, the, the path that God would be paving a path of grace that could only be found in the one that John the baptizer is foretelling. He's preparing the way for, namely Jesus. But this messenger is getting God's people ready. There's something going on in your heart. There's issues going on in our society. But before you start looking at all of those things out there, ask yourself the question, are you ready? Are you ready or are you not? So Malachi, of all the ways, He's getting people ready. Notice how specific and maybe even seemingly insignificant he becomes in his message. He says that God's work is going to be like a launderer's soap. So think about this. As all of these people are looking out in the world and they're seeing all of this heinous evil going on and they're pointing to these things that are going on in the world and they're pointing to that evil over there and that country and that oppressive ruler and this terrible person who's doing something that is atrocious in the eyes of many, of all the things that God wants his people to do, what does he want them to do? To talk about how other people are not preparing or maybe, maybe, maybe just grab a magnifying glass and look nowhere else except for the heart that exists in your own chest. Think about it, a launderer's soap. In the children's message, we talked about the magic potion that can take stains out, at least in our house. Well, most of the stains out. And what happens? It's, it's just a stain. It's just a small thing. I know I have white shirts, dress shirts, several of them. It could just be one little careless thing. A kid accidentally bumps into me with peanut butter all over their face. That's happened about 20 times. Or I can, like, drop something, a pen. Now what? It's just a tiny little thing. Unintentional, but it's ugly, and we want it gone. So I could complain about the whole wide world, or, or maybe just maybe all I really should be caring about is just that tiny little blemish. No matter how tiny it is, that's the thing that I should be concerned about. How easy is it to look at the world around you, to read the headlines, to look at your neighbors, to scroll through social media and to find a whole host of things that are wrong with absolutely everyone else around you? All at the expense of a tiny little stain that's going on in your heart. So what could that blemish look like? For the people of Israel, you know what it was? They looked down their long, snooty, self-righteous noses at the people around them who were less religious than they. Christians even engaging in the act of being Christian and worship and prayer, following the commands of God, how easily can our disgust then be aimed at people around us who don't seem to have the same moral framework we do because we've been blessed by God's instruction and his word? That's no act of preparation. That's just an act of criticism towards others. What might be that stain that exists in your heart? It might be something small. It doesn't look heinous. It doesn't make the headlines, but it could be a gossip. A word about somebody else that makes their reputation lower in the ear or in the mind of someone else, all for what? Because we thought less of them and we want others to now also? What is it? Is it the fact that what we do in the privacy of our hearts doesn't seem to affect anyone? Is it that the words we say really won't have much sway? Is, all of these things can be little things, and yet what does God call us to do? Are you ready? A refiner's fire, this, this is not surprising to you that a refiner's fire is going to be a lot different than a bonfire. You know, when you take the Christmas trees at the end and you throw them and then you have to back up because in like two seconds it just goes ablaze. Or have you ever seen people who've taken a lot of those pallets and have piled them up and then those things get going, that gets pretty warm and you have to back away? That, that's a bonfire. A refiner's fire is something different. It's, it's contained and it's controlled and it has to, especially for certain metals, the temperature has to be in a specific range. Why? Because even if you just had a couple ounces of gold, a couple ounces of gold, just raw material, maybe it was sifted out of a river, and you wanted to get the impurities out, there has to be a specific contained fire. But you even know that even within a couple ounces of gold, the number of impurities that could exist within that metal? Thousands upon thousands, all of which you couldn't even see, even if it was right there in your hand. Grab a magnifying glass. You might be able to identify some, but they're tiny, microscopic, several of them, even if that. So what is the little blemish, the impurity that exists in the head and in the heart? Is it the consciously knowing the thing that God says, but passing that off because his mercies are new tomorrow? Is it the impurity that we find to be less dishonorable than what we find in the rest of society? Comparing ourselves with others instead of comparing ourselves with the God who calls us to be as perfect as he is. It's interesting that as I studied this text this last week, how much I looked at the stain, blemish, impurity aspect, and all I could think of is how much of this do we already know? Like everything that I've just said to you and everything that I've thought about also? How much how much of that is already a yeah, we kind of know these things? And yet what does God call us to do again? He doesn't take his message away from us calling us to be ready, to prepare our hearts, to take the magnifying glass and look deep within. And you know what that is. Sure you know. Well, God is saying then, are you ready? Because the work that he has for you and for me in order to prepare us, not just for Christmas, but for his second coming, is to identify. You can't fix what you don't acknowledge. To first identify those impurities. To point out those stains and those blemishes. And why? Why? Is this so God can take your face and then take those blemishes and shove your face in them and point out all the millions of ways you're disgusting to him? No. No. Hear again those beautiful words from John. A message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This was the covenant that God would cut with his people, not by cutting his people or by cutting them away from him, but by cutting down his son in righteous judgment on the cross so that he would never do that for you. Better than any launderer's soap is the blood of Christ that flowed for one reason and one reason alone. So you would approach God not with fear or worry or regret or shame, but you would approach God with confidence and joy, forgiveness knowing that you bear his holy name. The fact that Jesus endured the suffering of God's fiery wrath on the cross, oh sure, it burned and it was in a certain range, but only so that it would take away the impurities of our sin as Jesus bore bore that pain underneath God's fiery wrath. That would never follow you. It would never be something that you owe to God. Malachi puts it this way. Even though even though all of this is going on, are you ready? Are you getting ready? Are you getting ready? The day is coming. The day is coming. Are you ready? I don't change, God says. I mean, imagine this for a second. Imagine if I came up to you and I had the most mean-spirited, harsh thing to say to you. It's just just rude and terrible. And then two days later, I would come up to you and start talking to you as though I was expecting you to treat me and talk to me the way that you did five days ago. Would that work? Would that be easy for you? Some of you are giggling. This isn't a funny scenario. (laughs) No, it wouldn't be easy. It'd be really hard. Well, what would God do? When he lays out clearly the way that we are to function before him, the impurities, the stains, the blemishes, we would change in our disposition if somebody treated us in a mean way and yet what does God say? He does not take his perception of us, or the fact that we rest in his saving grace and change. He says, I don't change. And therefore, his words of mercy and forgiveness don't change either. Are you ready? If there's one way that you are going to be ready for Christmas, but even more so, to be ready to face your God on that last day, It is that you have a God who doesn't change. He helps you identify that which is going on in your life, the impurities, the blemishes, not so that you would be left with those, but so that you would have a savior who has washed those clean, who has burned those impurities out as you stand before God better than 24 karat gold. You have a God who loves you and constantly points you to the skies so that you would be ready, knowing full well that you're not meant to live here and now but you are meant to live with him forever as his child. So peer through the Christmas tree and even upward into heaven, looking forward to the time when God will come, knowing full well that the very fact that he's washed you clean and removed every impurity is not just a promise that was made in time but exists only in the land of theory, but it happened concretely through his son who came once and is most certainly coming again. So we can pray and we can say, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. The prayer of the church. Let us pray.